0: You're listening to Time in the Word. God establishes His plan for Israel in the ancient past by establishing His covenants with the Jewish people. On the basis of these covenants, God continues to work among the Jewish people in the present age. But God has much more in store for Israel in the future. They play a featured role in the outworking of end times events. In today's study, Dr. Gonzalez explains that Israel will play a vital role in starting the future tribulation will be the focus of the tribulation, will initiate the second coming of the Messiah, and will be the head of the nations in the messianic kingdom. He also admonishes us to properly discern the signs of the times. In Matthew 1 through three, we read, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, Today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. Our Lord sternly rebukes the Jewish religious leaders for acting as blind leaders and failing to discern the signs of the times. The principle of discernment is a principle that clearly applies to the church, and we are to avoid what the Pharisees were guilty of. Let us listen as Dr. Gonzalez continues his study on end times prophecy.
1: Father we thank you. We pray that as we spend time in your word and we explore what your word has to say about the future that you would use that to create in us a sense of urgency and passion for uh, carrying out your work in uh, these last days in which we live. We we thank you for your sovereignty, your grace, your love and we give you all the praise and honor in Jesus name. Amen. Okay last week we uh, we ended our um, message by speaking about Israel's present. We already looked at, uh, we were looking at the role of Israel in world history. We already saw their past. We talked about the covenants that are important uh, and that have a great deal to do with biblical prophecy. We looked about we talked about Israel's present. Now we're going to go ahead and just close out this section uh, of uh, Israel's role in world history by just quickly looking at Israel's future. And there's four points that I want to make regarding Israel's future uh, in terms of uh, what role they play in world history. First of all, they play a vital role, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but they play a vital role in starting the tribulation period. Uh, you know that the, once the church is raptured from, from the earth and the church is gone, uh, Israel will sign a treaty, so a, a, a covenant with the Antichrist who will be heading up the Western Confederation of Nations. Once that treaty is signed, that marks the beginning of the tribulation period now they may there may be a small gap of time between the rapture and the signing of that document. but once Israel signs that document, where the where the Antichrist promises to protect and in and, and and uh Uh, allows Israel to maintain their rights and their independence that marks the beginning of uh, The tribulation in fact in Daniel chapter 9 verse 27 uh, It says he will confirm a covenant with many for one Seven and it's talking about uh, the Antichrist there second of all in regard to uh, Israel's future Israel will be the focus of the tribulation period now it is true that there's a couple of main things that are going to be occurring um, during the tribulation period one is God is going to be judging the nations the gentile nations because of their rejection uh, you know of of the messiah their sin Uh, but God goes back in the tribulation period and deals with the nation of israel in fact we are told in jeremiah chapter thirty verse seven that the tribulation period is known as the time of jacob's distress or the time of jacob's trouble israel God's primary concern during the tribulation period is Israel, and He goes back to dealing with Israel since the church has been removed from the world scene. So uh, let, let me make a couple of points regarding the, the, the focus of the tribulation, which is Israel itself. First of all, uh, the tribulation will be a time of Israel's persecution. If you look at Re- Revelation chap- uh, chapter t- Revelation chapter twelve verses one through seventeen, you will find that Israel will be severely persecuted during the time of tribulation. Second, the tribulation will be a time of Israel's cleansing, and you can find passages to support that in Ezekiel chapter twenty verses thirty-seven and thirty-eight, uh, or Jeremiah thirty eleven. Third, th- uh, uh, thirdly, the tribulation the tribulation will be a time of Israel's service, Revelation chapter seven verse three. Uh, fourthly, the tribulation will be will be a time of Israel's war, and fifthly, during the tribulation, um, all people will suffer. But the focus is once again on the people, of the 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 nation of Israel. Uh, the second, uh, the third point regarding Israel's future is that Israel will initiate. Listen, not only do they start. Have play a role, a significant role in starting the future tribulation, but they actually initiate the second coming of Christ. Christ returns at the end of the seven-year tribulation period because Israel prays for Christ's return. I want to look at quickly a passage in Matthew chapter 23. Uh, and this will help. Make the point that I'm trying to make right here. Uh, Matthew 23, verses 37 through 39. Listen to what it says here. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Once the Jews recognize their circumstances and they recognize that they need the Lord to return until they say what Jesus said they were going to say, he will not come again. But once they do, that will usher the second coming of Christ. Now remember, the rapture is God coming for the church. The second coming is God coming with the church in order to set up the millennium kingdom. So Israel will initiate the second coming of the Messiah. And lastly, regarding Israel's future. Israel will be the head of the nations in the Messianic Kingdom. And we made that point a little bit uh, last week in in that message. Israel will rise to be the nation that God had prophesied it would become. And they they will be blessed above every other nation during the Millennium Kingdom. And uh, so in the future, Israel will be head of the nations in the Messianic Kingdom. Now, uh, we've ended at this point the the chapter that I would have entitled, Understanding uh, the Role of Israel in World History, Both Past, Present and Future. Now we want to actually start looking at the signs of the times and what is out there that helps us discern that we are indeed approaching those last days of which the Bible speaks. Let me uh, read you a quote from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. This is what Peter said. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Listen, you know what Peter is saying here? And, 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 and the Greek text, the reference in the, uh, in the Greek to the statement that he makes, the end of all things is near, uh, indicates the tense in which is written, indicates a present reality with future consequences. In other words, this same verse could be rendered this way. The end of all things has already begun. Now if that rendering is correct, if that rendering is a correct uh, 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 translation of the original Greek, then when did it begin. Oftentimes when we talk about the end times, we're thinking about future events and to a certain extent, we're correct by doing so because we're looking at things that have not yet happened that are going to uh, come to pass. But did you know that the Bible actually teaches us that the, we are already in the end times? If that is true, then when did the end times begin? Well, according to the word of God and according to the New Testament, the end times began with the first coming of jesus when he came for the first time the end times began and they will end with his second coming but they have already begun for example uh, in matthew chapter 24 and verse 30 jesus said this at the time at that time the son of man at that time the sign of the son of man will appear in the sky and all nations of of the earth will mourn they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great uh, glory his return his return ends marks the end of all things so with his first coming the end times have begun with his second coming the end times end okay now In speaking in regard to the signs of the times, I want to make sure that we avoid two extremes because uh, you see many people out there who teach on prophecy uh, either take, well, you see in most cases take one extreme, but I want to avoid two extremes. First of all, we need to make sure that we are not apathetic or we scoff at Bible prophecy we need to make sure that we take Bible prophecy seriously just because things don't happen in the time frame that we think they ought to or on our timetable doesn't mean that God is not constantly and currently active bringing about these events that will take place God performs his role in prophecy when he does and the timing of God is the perfect timing just because they don't occur within our timing uh, doesn't mean that God is not acting or that these things are not going to happen we need to make sure we don't take the extreme of becoming actually apathetic towards prophecy we need to take prophecy seriously if we don't take prophecy seriously uh, we are in essence underselling the prophetic teaching of the Bible but we also want to avoid the second extreme and the second extreme is the one that I made reference to the fact that many who teach on prophecy actually take this this extreme we are to uh, avoid sensationalism listen it is beyond me why people need to sensationalize that which is already sensational. I mean, the events of which the Bible speaks concerning the future are already uh, uh, sensational. Why do they have to sensationalize the sensational even more? Oftentimes, and you know, it may not be the case with everybody, but oftentimes they do so because it best fits their sinful, unscriptural, Uh, and personal agenda for personal gain. So we need to avoid being apathetic to to, to prophecy, and we need to avoid being sensational when it comes to uh, teaching prophecy. All right. Now, the first thing that we need to cover here is how do we properly discern the signs of the times? In Matthew chapter 16 and verses 1 through 3, this is what Scripture says. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven as if he hadn't already shown them many signs. This is, this is the arrogance and the stubbornness of man in that in spite of all that God has already demonstrated and proven, we are still asking for signs. But nonetheless, they came and asked for an additional sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes... You say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times." Listen, Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees and the Sadducees for being able to interpret the weather based on the appearance of the sky, but failing to interpret the signs of the times. And listen, this is something that we need to be very careful of because we don't want to be accused as a church of the same thing. I have said, and I will continue to say, that the Bible clearly teaches us that we are not to know the times of these future events. We are not to set dates, but we are able to discern the general period of time when these things are going to occur. And, and Jesus rebukes those who fail to exercise discernment and understanding and recognizing the signs of the times. Secondly, in Matthew 24, verses 32, uh, 2 and 35 listen to what Jesus said this is the lesson of the fig tree now learn this lesson from the fig tree as soon as it its twigs get tender and its leaves come out you know that summer is near even so when you see all these things and these are the things that he had spoken of in previous verses you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. What is the lesson of the fig tree? Listen, if we are able to determine the season because of a fig tree, why is it, Christ says, that we're not able to, to, to recognize the, the, uh, when the end times are coming by failing to recognize the signs of the times? Listen, we do not want to be found guilty of committing the same, uh, of being guilty of the same thing that the Pharisees and Sadducees. We need to learn uh, from his rebuke. Uh, uh, because of their failure to discern, and we need to learn a lesson of the fig tree. Another thing that I want to say before we actually get into the signs of the times is I want to talk about the the dark shadow illustration. I know you have experienced this. I know everybody has, and that's why I want to use it as an illustration. Have you ever seen that when you're out walking, and if you're walking and you have the sun behind you, when you're walking you're able to see your shadow in front of you now we all know that the shadow is not us but the shadow tells potentially others that we are coming right behind it in other words to make to make the point clear the signs of the times Operate like that shadow that you often see of yourself when you're walking and the sun is behind you You are not the shadow, but the shadow warns people that you are not far behind That's the point I'm attempting to make the signs of the times are like that shadow They're not the end times But they are the shadow that warns us that the end times or the last days are coming shortly and we need to remember that because even though we cannot set the date, we can recognize those signs and know that the coming is, uh, that the end times are near. Now let's look at some of the signs of the times that the Bible speaks about. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 4, this is what Peter says. First of all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. You know what Peter says one of the signs of the times is going to be? Scoffers, lust, and unbelief. Again, I I just said this a few minutes ago, I say it again. Just because God operates on a different timetable than we do does not mean that God has fallen asleep behind the wheel. God works out his decrees and works out his will when he does. But people assume that because the statement was made and nothing's happened, in this period of time that surely either it's not true or God has changed his mind and they scoff and listen to what Peter said they follow their own evil desires and he's making a reference in essence to lust do we have to say anything else about lust in today's generation I know every generation has talked about it but certainly I think we've reached uh, a peak when it comes to the level of people following their own evil desires. And you know what tends to happen when people question whether things are actually going to happen they and things don't happen on their timetable they actually stop believing what God has said. So Peter said that in the, in the last days one of the signs of the times will be scoffers uh, lust and unbelief. Let me give you another one. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 through 39, listen to uh, what the, the Bible says um, there. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man for in the days before the flood people were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage up to the day noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away this is listen this is how it will be at the coming of the son of man you know what you know what the bible tells us you know what we're being told right there that there will be a callousness and carelessness concerning Christ and his things as there are in the present time. Listen, I find this this text we just read, read quite curious. We know that the Bible tells us that it took a great deal of time for Noah to construct the ark and that during that time the world was being warned of the flood that was about to come over them. And in spite of all the warnings and in spite of Noah uh, constructing this ark, we are told in this text that apparently they still knew nothing about what would happen even though Noah had been warning them. Listen, you know what, in essence, you know what this text is telling us? That in the last days there will be religious unconcern. As they were in the days of Noah. Listen, in the days of Noah, all they were worried about was two things: eating and drinking, and marrying and giving to ma- and being given to mar- in, in marriage. That's all they were concerned about: eating, drinking, and propagating. Well, if we look at the present day. It it appears that we are once again experiencing a great deal of religious unconcern." Listen, uh, just kind of a a sidebar here. I don't know why people who have read their Bibles, who have attended good churches uh, to listen to preachers, preach good sermons, who have heard the gospel over and over over the the time of their life continually insist on rejecting Jesus Christ. I don't understand why mankind would want to live without God as part of their life. I mean, listen, if you remove God from your life you're removing the only thing that is worth even living for the truth of the matter is that if all i have to live for is the life that i can make for myself apart from a personal relationship with the living god let me tell you something folks that's not much of a life to to look forward to living and i refuse to believe that that god doesn't exist and that we were created by nothing more than chance, and that all of life is just this, what we experience presently, and that at some point when our life ends, it all ends. Life has a lot more meaning than what those who do not want to believe in the existence of God tell you there is. That is nothing more. That is not life, folks. That is nothing more than just merely existing. And in the present day, there is such religious unconcern that I think we're seeing the fulfillment of that sign of the time now. People just don't care. Whatever. People say they believe a certain thing, but they don't live as though they believe it, which leads me to believe that they really don't believe it. And there's a religious unconcern. And I think that leaves a tremendous void in the life of every person who takes that position. Well, we're coming to the end of this particular program. So we're going to end our study right here. We are talking again about discerning the signs of the times, and we're looking at the actual signs of the times that are given to us in Scripture. First was on believers. Lust, unbelief, lust, and scoffers, and then religious unconcern. Next week we will pick up again where we're ending today and we will continue to look at the signs of the times. Father, we thank you for your uh, faithfulness, your love. We thank you for your word, for every word in your word. Uh, just give us a pure heart and a passion to live our lives uh, for the glory of the Lord Jesus. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen.